everybody, welcome to a very topical episode of Back to School with Maz Jobrani. Uh, today, we have Sean Polofsky and Vicky Barbalek. They're two of my favorite people. They're both comedians from the Comedy Store. They have a new podcast. It's called Trailer Park Diaries. I want you to find it. I want you to listen to it. Today, they're here to talk to us, first of all, about their podcast. Secondly, about the slap, the Will Smith slap of Chris Rock at the Oscars. We're going to talk to them because they're comedians, going to get their perspective. And lastly, they're here to tell us that if you ever see a female comedian that has wine on stage, don't try to get that wine or security will knock your ass out. That and more right now on Back to School with Majobrani. Majobrani. Hey. Jobrani Maz. Oh. Majobrani. Hey. Jobrani. Mazzy, mazzy. Oh. Maz, 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 maz. Hey. I got a podcast. Oh. Back to school. Yeah. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Back to School with Maz Jobrani. This is our podcast. I am Maz Jobrani. This is my co-host, Tehran. How you doing, T-Money? I am great. Coming off some great shows. We've had some great shows. Sold out in different... Now it's international time zones, Maz. You're selling out internationally, my friend. Tehran and I have been on the road. We just got back from Canada. We did Vancouver, Surrey, Calgary. We're loving it. We're continuing to tour. We land. We get back to L.A. Oscars are on Sunday. Let's just say Sunday. And we all know Oscars tend to be pretty boring. And the truth is, I tried as much as I could to watch a lot of the films from this year because I have made a movie called Jimmy Westwood American Hero. I know how hard it is to make a movie. So I try to respect movie makers. And the truth is there's some great movies, but I'll be honest with you, I was telling this to Tehran before, they were all a little slow for me. I tried to get through a lot of the movies. The movies I got through were Tick, Tick, Boom, which I think is great with Andrew Garfield. It's on Netflix. Mm. I also enjoyed Don't Look Up. A lot of people didn't like it. I liked it a lot. Um, So we're watching. I'm there watching with my wife, my kids. My wife falls asleep. Chris Rock comes on. And I love Chris Rock, one of the best comedians ever. And he's going to have some jokes. And he starts doing his jokes. And the next thing you know, he makes a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith. She rolls her eyes. I'm thinking nothing of it. Will Smith stands up, starts walking towards Chris Chris Rock. I'm thinking to myself, oh, he's going to like get him in a headlock and give him like a little noogie on the, you know, the little thing on the head, like an older brother kind of a thing, even though he's not his older brother, but he's a bigger dude. And whack, he slapped him. I go, did he just, did he just, and it took me a minute because I thought at first everyone thought it was a stunt because the way Chris, the way Chris took it, he took the hit and he just came back. And because first it looked like a punch. And I go, if he just punched him like that, he'd be on the ground or something. But he just went back and came back. And I go, was that? And, and for a second there, I thought, oh, they talked about this backstage. He goes, yeah. I'll come to you. I'll do this. You go back and I'm going to wait for him to laugh. Then they started showing the back and forth, but it was muted. And we're going, oh, what's going on? And then I went online. I go, did he just slap him? And somebody posted the Australian version. In Australia, they didn't bleep any of it out. So basically, after Chris gets smacked, Will Smith is walking back to his chair. You hear Chris Rock go, Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. And then Will Smith sits down and goes, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And then Chris Rock goes, dude, it was a G.I. Jane joke. And then he goes, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And he goes, all right, whatever. And that was it. But that's all anybody talked about after that. Tehran, first of all, let me just say one other thing. At that point, I go to my wife. I go, wake up. She goes, what did I miss? I go, you missed. 
He just slid him. She goes, really? Then we're online. We're checking it out. And it was crazy. Everyone's been talking about it. That's why I'm happy we've got two comedians on here today. We're going to talk about this as well as other issues. Tehran, were you watching it live? And what was your Instagram? I didn't reaction? watch it live. It was as soon as it hit uh, uh, social media, everyone tuned in. No one was watching the Oscars, okay? But number two, because like the movies that were out there, the Oscars are, is a little slow. But number two, here's the thing I want to bring up. I, I don't judge people. We'll talk about what happened with Will, Will Smith and Chris Rock, of course, in the episode. But one thing I want to mention is how amazing Chris Rock was to go on and still say, knowing he's on TV, and be like, this is the greatest moment of TV history. And just say that as a punchline. And even in his moment, by the way, and taking a slap like a champ, coming back and still having a response that wasn't absurd or out of out of anger or shocking and it was just a comedic response that came right back how did he think of that in that moment and that's what makes chris rock a goat that's what Dude, makes him one of the greatest of all times absolutely mad respect even before this whole thing anytime anybody asks me like who's the best comedian in the world i always go Chappelle and rock are number one and two or one and one there's no real two there because chris rock hands down one of the best writers uh, amazing performer, but you're right. The fact that, because I, 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 Howard Stern, I was listening to Howard Stern, and they played his Chris Rock's response, which was he took a minute and he and he and he and he diffused the tension with that line where he goes, "Well, that was the best moment of of uh, TV of history." TV history, and then, but then Howard Stern pointed out that he was still in shock because so sure. so that shows you his muscle, his comedy muscle was so well. Uh, trained that he was boom hit that line without even thinking about it because then I guess I, I don't recall this but I guess he came back and he was supposed to announce here the, the nominees for best documentary are but instead he said something like you know the documentary prize goes to he did something that was a little off because he was still shocked you know I've been punched before and had my jaw broken from the punch and you're shocked you don't know what's going on I was telling my wife this afterwards you know when I had my jaw punched and I was in college I was. I basically got jumped. Um, I, I I spit and there was no blood and I thought oh, I'll be okay, but then I found out the jaw was broken. So similarly with Chris Rock, he got hit hard, and mm -hmm. so there was no physical blood or anything. So it looked like he was fine, but I'm sure that he's got pain from getting slapped the way he got slapped. But to your point. This his ego was more pain than anything. I mean, getting slapped on national, on my, international talk in Australia. Yeah, they yeah. watched this in Australia. My daughter had a funny joke. My daughter's 11 years old, Mila, because like a minute later or a few minutes later, they were showing the um, in memoriam section where they yeah. show whoever's passed away. My daughter goes, Chris Rock's uh, cheek should be in the in memoriam section. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Mila said that she's 11. That's the comedy muscle. She's a genius. Right? I told her. That's I go, hilarious. I go, that That's is hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> that is so hilarious. Like, you need to say that on stage. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Chris Rock's cheek, cheek should be in. <laughs> That's hilarious, right? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Mila. That's brilliant. That's that is brilliant. brilliant. That's other level. For that eleven year old to, yeah. to hit that, I was I, I told her I go mad respect, girl. I go, that was funny. Oh my gosh. That's brilliant. Anyway, listen, we're gonna talk to our friends, Sean Polovsky, Vicky Barbalek. Their podcast is called Trailer Park Diaries. Please share this podcast with your friends, spread it out, let people see it, let people know. 
We count on you to get the word out. Tehran, where do people find you? At I am Tehran all across the board and touring with Maz. And by the way, we will be back in Canada for those cities in Canada that are hitting me up. Like, why? Why not here? Why not here? We will be there. We got we got uh, coming up this weekend. We've got Burbank almost sold out. Get your tickets if you want them. In May, we're going to be Toronto, Ottawa, and hopefully Montreal. Stay tuned for more. Let's now go talk to Sean Pulaski, Vicky Barbalek, the Trailer Park Diaries on Back to School with Majabrani. Back to school. Sean Pulaski, Vicky Barbalek, thank you for being on Back to School with Maz Jobrani. How are you feeling today? Fantastic. Yeah, amazing. We're so happy to be on this podcast. Thank you guys for having us. We love having you. Uh, we're going to get into everything. Let's just first start. I told uh, Dara, my son, that you guys have this new podcast called Trailer Park Diaries. And uh, told him a he little bit like, about- what's a trailer park, daddy? Yes, we are very privileged. <laughs> so here we go. Here's this question. You can answer this question and then we'll go from here. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And hi, Miss Sean. Hi, Miss Vicky. I have a question for you. What's it like being a comedian and living in a trailer park? So, Vicky, you actually live in a trailer park? Yeah, I've been in a, I've been living the trailer park lifestyle for over 20 years now. And uh, it's the only life that I want to live. I don't like drywall. I like being above everything on my wheels quick exit <laughs> i don't even have to get a divorce to leave lou i just have to drive it away <laughs> it's so amazing because uh, because you know people will find out more and more about you guys as we as we delve deeper but the fact that you have lived this life and you got you're one of the chillest people and lou you guys are two of the just nicest coolest people and you just you know you're you're living in a trailer and and no worries no worries. That's the thing. You know, as long as Lou can grow his pot in the shed in our <laughs> driveway, he's a happy man and I'm happy. You know, it's all we're very, you know, we feel so blessed. Meanwhile, Sean over here was living in Beverly Hills, having some of the biggest Fourth of July parties. Are you I still Sean, live in Beverly Hills? I don't still, mean to name drop, Maz. So how do the two of you, because you guys are obviously great friends and, and I know you from the comedy store. Have you guys, have you guys uh, worked with Tehran before or no? Yes, I've worked with Tehran. Yeah. So have you, Vicky, have you worked Hold with... Hold on. Can we just clarify the way Sean said that? I was like, yeah, I work with Tehran. Can we, <laughs> but it's like, can it's we have good. a conversation about that? I've never that heard was, you this quiet. So I'm, I'm just, like... <laughs> Taking it all in, you got Vicky, you got Sean, you got Maz. I'm, I'm just watching. This is the best show ever. I'm, I'm a big fan of Tehran's, and I just think, like, really, like both of you guys. I say this to you all the time, though, Maz. I feel like you know, especially with everything that's gone on at the Comedy Store and the whole Me Too movement. Like, I always feel like I always tell Tehran, I always tell Maz, he's going to be the only man left at the Comedy Store because he's just. He's a mensch. He's a good, good man. And I feel the same way about Tehran. Like the fact that there are two of you that exist in this business that are as kind and and hilarious. It's just like I'm I'm lucky to know both of you. First of all, I, I want, you know, usually when like an Iranian does something bad, they point out that the guy's Iranian. But now <laughs> you're saying we've done something good. Tehran's dad is Iranian. I'm Iranian. So you can say Iranian men remain at comedy store. Secondly, <laughs> Tehran learned his lesson 
in terms of any of this stuff, now when we take pictures with any fans, if there's like women nearby, even if there's a guy, he, you can see he learned from, I guess, um, Keanu Reeves used to do this. When the picture's being taken, Tehran will put his hands out like he's being arrested, but you can see his hands in the picture because he doesn't want someone coming back and being like, he was squeezing my ass or something like that. So it's, it's so weird. My agents, they sent out a thing from Gersh saying, you know, don't sexually harass anyone. And I called him up. I go, did you hear anything? And, <laughs> or is that, or is that like a group email? They go, what are you saying, Vicky? I go, I'm, you know, I'm just saying, are we not supposed to like grab a doorman's ass? Are you, are you saying that? They go, you don't do that. Do you Vicky? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I do. I mean, and I'm like, and I'm like, I work really hard to become a headliner so I could grab a doorman's ass every now and then. And they're like, you can't, you can't do it. And I'm like, lose the last ass I get. Yeah. I no way. No 30 way. years, Vicky, 20, 10 years too late. 10 years, if you, if you would have hit it 10 years ago, speaking of grabbing asses, let's just get to, what, what do you think of this whole slap? What are we talking here? Last night for everybody, anybody who was, whose head was in the sand, Last night during the Oscars, Chris Rock makes a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith. There's a history of him having made fun of Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith. We're comedians. That's what we do. And then last night, once Chris Rock makes the joke, he makes a joke about her hair um, because she's shaved her hair. She's beautiful with or without hair. Right. Um, and then we come to find out afterwards. I don't think Chris Rock knew this, but she's uh, got something called uh, alopecia, which is when you lose your hair. Um, first thing they show is they show Will Smith is in the front. He's laughing. Jada Pinkett Smith doesn't seem too happy. She kind of rolling her eyes. Chris continues to go. And the next thing you know, Will Smith gets up, ste steps right up to him and slaps him, sits back down. Chris Rock goes, Will Smith just slapped the shit out of me. And then Will Smith says, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And then he goes, it was just a joke. Keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And the whole world's been talking about it. Yeah. I want to go, first of all, to our guests, then to Tehran. What do you guys think? What do you guys think about this whole thing? Well, it's, what's, what's, what's weird is I am a huge Will Smith fan. I, my favorite sitcom was Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I remember when I was waiting tables back in the day and he came into my restaurant with Jada Pinkett Smith. And I was like, oh my God, I, you know, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, best of all time. And he was so nice. And from her, I just got stink eye. And I'll never forget <laughs> the look that I got from her was like, oh my gosh, like it just, there was this kind of energy there. So I think what, what it looked like it happened last night is he was probably gonna laugh it off and then when you look, when you go back and you watch her face and you see like this, this one eye roll. And then it, I don't know if it was because we didn't have the camera on them the whole time because they went back to Chris Rock. So when he gets up now, if I'm if I'm presenting an award or I'm hosting something or anytime I'm on stage, first of all, I'm scanning the audience like RoboCop at all times. I'm always looking for activity or action because I'm an alarmist. I'm out of there. You're so like a I, you're like a secret service agent. That's what secret service agents do. They they're supposed to scan left and right. You're a comedian slash secret service agent. Exactly. So here you are, Robocop. Now what happens? If I'm on stage and I've made a joke and then I see somebody hop onto the stage, and especially if you're saying that they had a history where like they didn't get along, which I'm just kind of hearing about right now, 
I, I, I don't know if I would have just, I think I, I would have been road runner. I would have been like me, me. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done, but I don't think I would have stood for someone coming at me like that because it was, it, 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 for me, it did not look like a joke at all. You could just see kind of right away and that it was uncomfortable. And I think it just kind of at this point, now people think it's like, you know, is this the way that we should treat comedians or anybody now we're all like a little bit like this but I mean, we're like this anyways in clubs you never know what someone's gonna do but the good thing is sec clubs have security well somewhat at the store but they have security i had a guy jump on the stage once i was at the mgm in springfield massachusetts and this guy jumped on the stage because he wanted to squirt out of my wine box and uh, you know i just i just didn't see him come on because i'm not like sean i'm like i'm drunk and oblivious when i'm on stage <laughs> so he's up there and he's squeezing it, and all of a sudden the rest of the time i'm there they had four security guards on either corner of the stage the thing is i couldn't believe last night at the dolby that they don't have two guys on either side of that stage you know, for some wacko to come running up. I really, that was weird, wasn't it? But they didn't see that. I mean, it's Will. Well, it's also, Will. let's not act like it was a random. It was Will Smith. Yeah, Listen, right. no matter what's going on, you're letting Will Smith on your stage. Let's yeah, not. You know what? Good, good point. It's yeah. not like you're a random. You're, you're absolutely right. You're, this is Will Smith who was sitting right in the front row. Not only is he Will Smith sitting yeah. in the front row, not only is he Will Smith not only is he the legacy of Will Smith, but he's also nominated for an Academy Award, yeah. which he in eventually ended up winning. Yeah. Which so, I think that was the most bizarre thing that of was the, the night. the thing that his whole speech was so weird. Like he's also as a woman, I don't want to hear some dude telling me he's going to protect my ass. He's, yeah. he's protecting all the ladies in the movie because he needed his protection. That made me pissed off more than the slap. But the slap was just assault, man. It's just it was uncomfortable because it wasn't even like it really wasn't even like the worst insult. And I don't think he even knew. I don't think Chris Rock knew she had alopecia. Usually I know when people have alopecia. And I, didn't know I, I have to correct that as well is because at least in the black community, it's very known in regards to her alopecia simply because she's brought it up on Red Table Talk before yeah. and a lot of people. So it's in that zeitgeist where it's it, it's informed knowledge. And Chris Rock giving him all due credit as not only a comedian, but as a person who keeps up with the trends because that's what he does. I'm sure he had some type of inkling in my assumption that he did regardless. Yeah. Not, once again, true. not justifying it. I'm simply expressing that I think people are looking at this completely the wrong way We're how would you look at it this. how would you look okay. at it first of all there's a lot of there's a lot of different factors we need to put it in put in put in as comedians we're looking at it as oh no our safety let's be honest most of us aren't good enough comedians to ever get smacked let's be very real we're talking about chris rock this is a goat right this is a goat you're in that dave Chappelle, chris rock air most comedians especially other comedians who are like i, I see their post and they're like oh no am i gonna get smacked and i'm like mm, nobody's gonna smack you at the comedy chateau buddy you know what i'm <laughs> saying like nobody nobody's getting up at that open hey ron i smack fine. myself at the comedy chateau. <laughs> yeah that's funny we smack ourselves enough as is we don't need yeah, people to look, smack, we smack us. ourselves enough but on one hand a hundred percent a joke is a joke and that's the thing. We live in a world where people don't know how to take jokes. And that's the point of comedy is to push those buttons and get under people's skin, but in a liberating way. And a lot of people don't understand that in a lot of ways. Uh, and it's honestly, it's a, 
it's a relegation on freedom of speech because if you don't believe in the freedom of speech for those you disdain, then you don't believe in the freedom of speech. If you don't like a joke, don't like it. And then you can tell people not to, you can try to get people not to like it. It's that simple. On the second hand, let's take this into the streets. See, this is a part of like, I feel like street culture that a lot of people don't understand. How many people have been like, yo, I would smack you in your face, right? This guy got up and smacked him in the face. I mean, I think it was just a street moment that was captured on TV. We've all been there. And for a lot of people in mainstream America, it seems so egregious and assault. But in the streets, this happens every day, right? You said something about my girl. I'm going to smack you in the face. He got up and did it. Just happened to be on live television. Happened to be Will Smith, who, by the way, is a lot more gangster than a lot of us realize, okay? Let's not forget, he got into one little fight and his mom got scared and they shipped him to Bel Air. What do you think his mom's going to do about this? What do you think his mom's going to do now? Where is he getting shipped to now? You know? Yeah, they got to ship him. It was an interesting moment in television and we all loved it and we all watched it because we love these train wrecks, which is why we consume the Kardashians like their vitamin B12. And you know what? This is how we haven't been talking about the Oscars this much in years. Like, Last time I talked about Oscars as a comedian was Ricky Gervais because I loved him so much as a host. Right. And this time, you know, this was a fantastic moment in television. And guess what? Of all people, we've all done things that are very human. We've all lost our temper. We've all done something embarrassing. or uh, And people are like judging like, oh, it's, well, Will Smith is a human being. And if anyone in the world can afford to do this, it's Will Smith. Whether it's a legal legal way, lawsuit way, or even as a human being, this guy I got a couple of I got a couple of things to say. First of all, where do you ship him after Bel Air? I guess Switzerland. Where's the most peaceful place? He's got to go somewhere. New Zealand. New Zealand. Somewhere Good Nordic. Somewhere, somewhere. Somewhere. Somewhere very even more peaceful. Number one. Number two. Tehran. I disagree with you when you say these other comedians, all of us shouldn't be saying, oh my God, this is giving a carte blanche to other people to possibly assault comedians, simply because, as Vicky said, that guy that went on her stage was going up to get some of her wine, okay? I don't know if you guys have ever had, we all know there's so much crazy out there, and as Sean just said, a lot of times these comedy clubs don't have the security that like a nightclub would have. Like if, if you're a DJ and you're spinning and some guy like, gets close to even, you know, touching the DJ, there's 20 goons are jumping on this guy and destroying him. Comedy clubs, usually the security is like some young stoned kid who's trying to be a comedian and he's like, what? And he's totally out of it. I've been at the club before, the store where some guy walked in from the entrance, he walked all the way through the back of the audience and he came all the way to where the stage is to come up in the original room. He started walking up and I turn around, I go, excuse me, can I help you? And he goes, yeah, I just like to tell a joke. I go, excuse me? I swear to God. I go, she, he goes, no, I just wanted to, one joke, please. And I'm looking, and I go, is there security here? And, you know, Jeff Scott, God uh, uh, bless him. Uh, we, we lost our friend uh, this past year. Um, he was there. I think he was, like, a few people started going like, oh, let's get this guy out of here. But there's not the best security. And I think the problem is, there's multiple levels of problems. First of all, Will Smith doing it, like you said, we all, Sean loves Will Smith. I love Will Smith. We, everyone thinks Will Smith is this kind person who plays these characters. We love him. But so for him to do it, there's enough nut jobs out there. You know, I was listening to Howard Stern. Howard Stern was saying Will Smith is similar to Donald Trump in this case, in that he is allowing his 
whoever's seeing this is going, well, if he's going to do it, I can do it. There's enough nut jobs who are thinking like that. Monkey see, monkey do. There's enough nut jobs who are going to see that and go, oh, next time some comedian says something to me, I'm going to go up there and do that. So that's number one. Um, Number two, the security thing, absolutely. There's no security's not going to come up and I mean I I, I thought it was a joke because he's coming up and wi- and and if you look Chris Rock keeps his hands behind his back just smiling the whole time and it reminded me Sean when you said you would do the Roadrunner get out of there there's a great clip of Sylvester Stallone in like 1976 or 77 I forget when it was he's on stage I think presenting an Oscar Muhammad Ali walks up behind him oh. and and all of a sudden Sylvester Stallone turns around sees Muhammad Ali. And, and Stallone's like, hey, it's the champ. And then Ali's like, you stole my movie. And then they start joking like they're fighting. And then Stallone starts running away and Ali's chasing him. And it's all fun. Yeah. But in this case, the guy who played Ali actually went up on stage and actually hit a comedian. Yeah. And you just don't do that. And Tehran, what you said about the street and all that other stuff. Look, Will Smith, you are, listen, you have anger issues. That's fine. You've been in this business for 40 years, 50 years, whatever it is. And someone else mentioned this, and I agree with them. I don't. I'm. I'm totally against violence. But you know what? If you really have beef with this guy, just click it in your head. Wait till afterwards. Thank you. Good night. Get backstage and beat that? the crap out of him. Yeah. Straight, bro. He's hip hop. What, Sean? And but also, I, I, if you look at his wife, he probably he was laughing. Look at his wife. Wife gave him the look, and he was like, "Uh oh!" And he saved his marriage. He might have lost his fans, but he saved what, his marriage. That's what the bottom line. What I was thinking this morning was, I think she runs the roost, and she let him know he better get upstairs and take care of her. But you know, I, I feel like he could have just stopped with yelling, "Keep my wife's name out of your mouth." It could have just been there. He could have just said that. When you have to physically get up. To knock someone, to knock someone in the face like that with all those kids, like that's another level of like that was so uncomfortable. Sure. But I just feel like, and I'm all about protecting your loved one. And I always want my husband to stand up for me. But that he just he did it the wrong way. You know, Shanik, I was thinking, how thin would we have to be? How Very thin would we have to be? I'm never gonna be thin. Who would go up and smack somebody? Vicky, I would smack someone in the face for you, hands down. If you, if somebody, if somebody, Vicky B or Sean P, I'd be like, ah, hey, Rob, ah, that's why we love that's you. how we roll. Like, yo, it was a street moment. It was, and honestly, everyone's human. Of course, hindsight is 2020. I would have, I should have, I could have. I don't know the history. It could have been like Will's been in there and. She's been crying about her alopecia and they might've told him in confidence too, or we don't know this whole story. And the whole thing is as far as us, like I never judge people like within reason. I don't judge people. Like I, I, we've all made mistakes. We've all done something wrong. And the only difference is this is in the lens of the public eye. Maz, you're right. But after 35 years, you know, he snapped. You know who I was waiting to snap? Obama. Remember when they were going after Obama and he never snapped? I was just waiting for him to be like, Okay, and then just how about go- how about Katanji Brown Jackson? This whole past week with the oh sen- with these stupid senators yeah. asking stupid questions, she just kept taking a breath yeah. and kept going. And the thing is, again, that what's disappointing is, listen, if we knew, again, you're right. Maybe we don't know what's going on behind closed doors with Will and Jada. I know they've had issues in the past. I, somebody was telling me that they're in uh, um, uh, Scientology. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't know what's going we're on. We're going to have 40 red tables there, on this. There's we're going we're gonna to find out so much we're going to throw up. There, yeah. She, Great. She's going to explain it for thousands of months till we want to kill ourselves. I got to <laughs> say, well, I used to I used to write on Fashion Police 
And I don't even know how all the writers of Fashion Police are alive because as soon as a picture of Will Smith and Jada Pinkett came up, we would write a hundred of, and it was always the same joke. It was always the same, like, uh, you know, looks like, you know, Will Smith has a beard and we're not talking about the one on his face or, (laughs) and it was like, there were so many other things that were so viciously said about them that I'm surprised we're all just like, we all would just laugh it off. But this just, it, it, what didn't see, it's, it didn't seem as harsh was harsh to her personally. And I know if I would, if I had alopecia, the whole world would hear about it day and night because I'm a Leo and it's all about the her, but <laughs> I would never, I would never, I, I just, I, I find when you, when, when it turns to like a physical violence, that's where I get, I, I, I tense and, up. You know, Sean, to your point, I read somebody made a good point that said these, this couple has been getting beat up on because they're obviously a superstar couple. So they've been getting beat up on for the longest time on social media and new and media, all this stuff. And they were saying that that slap was the culmination. It just so happened that it was Chris Rock was there to take the slap for the 20, 30 years of the shit they've had to withstand. But she's put that out there with her show, that Red Table Talk, everything that's come out, that's come out of her mouth. So the, the stories about their life, their love life, their marriage, if you're putting that all out there for other people to hear, of course, there's going to be jokes because it becomes pop culture knowledge of, of whatever their life is. She's made it very public. They both have made it public. Yeah, that's true. You know, the thing is interesting, like for if, if you remember back in the day when Sean Penn would get upset and punch the press, you know, punch the paparazzi. And we're used to seeing Alec Baldwin attack paparazzi, whatever it is. Paparazzi is one thing. For this to happen, and then the other thing that's heartbreaking is it's a black man hitting another black man. And I know, we all know, there's a lot of racist people who are probably tuning in and going, see, I told you. And that's where Tehran, you say you don't judge. That's where, again, I'm a Will Smith fan. And obviously, I stand with Chris Rock on this because I'm a comedian as well. And I'm a Chris Rock fan. Um, but that's where I think Will Smith needs to have thought. Just, yeah. th- th- he's been in the game long enough. This sure. is like seeing. This is like seeing like I don't know who it is. Like 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 I don't know. Seeing like LeBron James get a uh, you know a a, 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 a a foul that ejects him in the finals. You know what I'm saying? He's smart enough where he should be like, all right, this guy just just insulted my mother and my wife and my kids. But if I punch this guy and I'm out, we lose the thing. We sure. lose it. So there's a bigger picture here, which is also representing, unfortunately. But in the black community, it's a different picture that's being painted. It's a picture of a black man standing up to another black man who was shitting on a black woman. And that more black men need to protect their black women. And that's why that was said. That was like a thing that was being spoken about on the sideline with Denzel and everybody was talking to him. And they were like, at your highest moment, that's when the devil comes for you and telling him he shouldn't have done that. But they all kind of understand. And that's why I'm just like, you know what? All this being said, it still made great television. Like, let's act like we did. Oh, we got popcorn. We weren't going to watch these Oscars. These Oscars, nobody. That's why there's no, if you look at all the footage, it's all crappy footage of this one scene. Nobody was watching the Oscars until the smack. Nobody yeah. cared about the Oscars this but year we until this. But we can all agree that Hollywood is complacent as fuck because that's, that whole room, it was it Nupito who like her, her eyes were like, 
you know, cause she was the one right behind him and her eyes were like, yeah. you know, they kind of did like, uh oh. What are you gonna do? What do you, it's Will Smith. Listen, it's Will, look, look, let's also, it's not like Gucci Man got on stage. Gucci Man got on stage, everyone would have freaked out. This is Will Smith. No one was expecting this from Will Smith. And it happens. Will Smith is human. We're all human. We've all had private moments that have culminated into something. And this was just extremely public and at the worst form because it's the Oscars. Everyone's in tuxedos. You don't expect people in tuxedos to do this, but I'll tell you something. People in tuxedos do horrible things every single I, I, day. I've seen, I saw that at my niece's bar mitzvah. I saw, like, <laughs> I believe me. I don't think this is gonna be any kind of cancel thing, at least that. I mean, oh, no, nah, definitely not cancel. You know, at Will. least it's just like, if people are upset, people are just, just venting and something to talk about besides the, Horrible Ukraine. Exactly. So, but there, at least, at least nobody's going cancel or any of that shit, which I feel very relieved about. Do you have you gotten anything like that, Vicky, with any jokes that people told you to that, that they said, "Oh, that's too far"? Or do, do you recall anything like that that's happened to you in the past whatever yeah, couple years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to, I used to do a lot of Asian women jokes, mm. a lot. Yeah. And I, th and I thought they were very respectful, complimentary. Yeah. Yeah. To the Asian girls. Yeah. Lovely. Well, you're listen, Vicky, I gotta tell you, and you know, you guys both know I love you guys. It's funny because Vicky on AGT, but uh before AGT, I remember it was during I think it was during the Iraq war or something had happened with the Iraq war. And I still remember it was one of the most brilliant sets I've ever seen. Cause for people who haven't seen Vicky's act, it's all very fun and self-deprecating and silly and and just lighter fare. But you were doing some political stuff. People didn't even realize it was political. Like I was dying laughing because it was such a like critique of the Bush administration's attack on Iraq. And I was like, you would never expect and you killed it. And so I've to this day, I usually would get any kind of canceling stuff was always like, don't go after President Trump or don't go after this president or that president. That's the only that's the stuff that you usually get. Um, but but you're right. It's a it's a it's a shaky time. Sean, have you gotten anybody coming up to you and saying don't do that joke? Um, not no. And if there was anything that I used to do or said something because I used to do this whole thing, which was one of my favorite bits because uh, I I have a best friend and she's Filipino and her whole family kind of took me in. So I always felt like I was kind of immersed in. Filipino culture with her and her family. And I used to do this thing where I would talk about the lead singer of Journey was replaced by a little Filipino guy. And this was like 12 years ago. Arnel Pineda or something? Yes, Arne Arne yeah, yeah. Arnie Pineda, yeah. yeah and yeah. I hate when like I, I turned to Filipino because he's almost like the president of the Philippines, you know? Yeah. Him and Manny Pacquiao, like they love them. Those, yeah. those two guys, they love them. And so I used to like make a joke about you know him sounding just like Steve Perry. And when I went to see them in concert at the Hollywood Bowl and I didn't know that this guy had replaced Steve Perry. But now it's like, I don't even like touch it anymore because I never want to come off as, that's not something that I embrace. And, and the people who laughed at it the most were, were Filipinos and they always came up to me like, we love this. But now other people are judges for everybody else. So everybody's judge and jury and it's not even for, you know, for their own kind. So everybody's just very PC. And so now I, there are times where I'm going through my head and I'm like, okay, or especially when I'm improvising and I'm talking to an audience, 
I'm kind of, you just got to be careful about, you never want to say the wrong thing and you don't want it to be interpreted as that either. You are so right. And it's interesting because like Tehran knows, if I go do a show and then after the show, I come off stage, we have a meet and greet. So many times I've had somebody, someone who's Afghan will walk up and go, you know, you didn't talk about the Afghans. And I'm like, oh man, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were there. And then someone will come on and be like, you didn't talk about the whatever. the Uzbekistanis. The, like, Uzbek, I, yeah. You missed, like, you missed the people to talk about. I didn't know you about. were there. But as Sean just said, like this just happened in Calgary the other day. I was doing crowd work. So Tehran usually will go on stage and he'll find like the white guy. Then he'll find the Middle Eastern guy. And he'll kind of get those two going in terms of, you know, they're in the audience. And then I usually come and talk to them again afterwards and kind of tag on top of what Tehran talked about. So the white guy that he talked about, um, I'm talking to him and they had masks on. This was in Calgary. So they made them wear the masks still. So he was sitting next to... Um, I thought, I go, oh, is that your girlfriend? And then he goes, no, that's my boyfriend. And then he took the mask off and it was a guy. And I don't know what, I don't know if he, I don't know if he identifies as a girl. I don't know if it was a girl. I didn't know what it was. And it was one of those moments where I was like, exactly what you just said, Sean. I was like, abort mission. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. Fantastic. Let me talk to somebody. Else. And by you don't the way, wanna... Nas, when you said you don't know what it was, you meant you didn't know what the situation was. What the situation was. Exactly. I don't want to get canceled here either. I didn't know what the situation was. Not that, that I, I didn't I didn't know how they identified as and I wasn't sure again what the situation was. So as you just said, it is a it is a very interesting time. And usually you're right. The people that will get more offended because because if I continue to talk to them, they would have educated me on their relationship. And I bet you afterwards, they would have been like, thank you for talking to us. And thank you for, you know, acknowledging us or whatever it was. Yeah. But you're right. Someone else will come up and be like, did you know that you were, you know, you you insulted somebody? And I'm like, I had no, I didn't know. I really didn't know. It's, you know, it's, it's a, I think all of us, I mean, I, I, I'm, tell me if I'm wrong. But when we're thinking about writing now, we're just new bits, new ideas. Like I have this one new idea and I'm like, is it okay? I never used to ask, is this okay? I just, I, I've always thought if I come to, with love and I have a good heart, you know, everything's going to be kind of okay. And now I'm like, I, 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 and I feel like I'm over, over criticizing my brain. I'm, I'm push, I'm, I'm squeezing my, my brain my, my possibilities too tightly. I'm over police policing myself. And I, I don't want to be in that kind of fear all the time, you know? Sure. But yeah, I, think shows, I was just going to say it, walk on on eggshells. is not some place that a comedian should be, but at the same time, I'm sure it's also making you a better writer. You're going for that higher fruit. And that's the thing. Low hanging fruits are easy to get, but, and, and, but they never taste the best and they're the ones that are always rotten. So Absolutely. it's just higher fruit and where it's growing pains. And whenever it comes to growing, even whether it's personally or in a culture, it always hurts. That's why puberty hurts so much. You know, you yeah. go through growing pains and that's what we're going through right now as comedians. But ultimately where we are going to end up should be a much, much better place. And I think that's where it's been going because I've seen a lot of amazing talent emerge in the later, latter years when it comes in terms of comedians. Like we're growing, you can't do the same shtick from 1980 and 1990. Now, where are you at and where are we going? And you see a lot more people on across the board and especially in minorities, whether it's black, brown, LGBTQIA women, our voices are being heard a lot more period. And that's a beautiful place. It, it is. I have this rule that I thought of once. It was like, if I, if I cannot do it in LA, then I'm, I'm not going to do it in, in Birmingham. 
and it just it just made it real easy for me to figure out what was right you know in terms of like no it those those low-hanging fruits those things that might make those people happy if if i couldn't do it in la at the store then i'm not going to do it at another place because it just sort of set that compass but as a i'm doing that kind of coming into an awareness of what it's like to be an, uh, a, a woman who's in there, I'm 64. And so I'm thinking <laughs> about, I'm thinking about the pushback of, of the ageism. And I'm thinking about making a new group called the Hag Scouts. And, uh, <laughs> and like some ladies in my trailer park and I've been thinking about selling like cookies for like 25 bucks a, a packet uh, to raise <laughs> money to gamble and stuff and go to a jamboree in Laughlin. And I just think it's a really funny concept. But then I'm going, am I going to offend, you know, women of my age with the Hag with the, you know, with the, with you can't the offend stuff. yourself. You can't offend yourself, and you're 64 years young. That's amazing. You can do whatever you want. Do it. Okay. Then I, I'll, I'll buy. I'll good. buy a couple boxes. <laughs> Thank you. I'll buy a I'll couple. Just sell some cookies. Yeah, I'll buy some boxes. Thank I, you. I, I actually want to know from Sean because, okay, so Sean is like one of three Jewish people born and raised in Oklahoma, right? How was that? Because that's a form of like being a minority of a minority and a minority surrounded by what we would typically think is a very aggressive, overbearing atmosphere when it comes to that. You know, I, I have to say, I was pretty fortunate when I grew up in Oklahoma City being, you know, like one out of 10 Jews and most of them were my family members. It, it I was super I really embraced growing up Jewish and I wasn't even raised reform. I was raised conservative, conservative Jewish in Oklahoma city. And there were two, there were, there was a temple which was reformed. And then there was a manual synagogue, which I was a part of. And I spent probably five days a week at my synagogue, whether it was for Hebrew school, Sunday school, or attending Friday night, Saturday morning services. I was always at the synagogue. And I guess, you know, just it was it was kind of embedded in me to be this proud Jewish kid. And because I'm such an extrovert, I used to show up to class for show and tell in like sixth grade. And I would show up with like a menorah <laughs> and I would teach the kids the light or even crazier. I'd show up with a, a big big thing of matzah like who's who is showing up with the big cracker and i'm trying to educate the kids which i did until this day like people from my high school were like you know i'll never forget when you brought that that cracker into our room and we learned about passover and now i that was the first i ever heard of it or about hanukkah and so i really was fortunate that i really i never had about of anti-Semitism except once. And once I was on the playground and this girl came up to me and she asked where the horns on my head were. And mm -hmm. in Will, Will Smith fashion, I punched her. <laughs> and uh, I, I was the one that got brought into the principal for acting out. So, um, and I remember that as a, as a, I mean, I was probably like second grade and uh, it, that, that always kind of sticks in my mind. Did but she go down? Did she go down? No. <laughs> you you couldn't it, knock it, out a second grader? Yeah, no, yeah. Um, well, you know, it, Sean, as you say that, like it reminds me of my, I grew up in uh, Marin County, which was predominantly white. There was a handful of, 
Handful oh. of per yeah, exactly. I was with the white Marin people. Marin County. I was yeah. just there this weekend. Look it's at you. It's a nice you. place, but it but it reminds me of what you just said. It was like I was a one of handful of one of the handful of Persians there, and a lot of my friends learned about Persian food and Persian culture and Persian words from us. And I think you're right. I think a majority of people, at least when they're exposed to people like yourself or me or other people from different backgrounds, they tend to be accepting and open and 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 it, it, it's kind of cool for them you know especially if you bring them some good food they're like oh this is cool but there's always that one a-hole who whether it's in oklahoma or in marin or wherever it is that's gonna ask you for your horns or back then they used to call us fucking iranian um mm. so th that's the problem is that I think one of the problems is that not enough people get exposed to people from diverse backgrounds to realize how nice you are and how like what they've what their grandfather or their dad told them about Jews having horns is the biggest bullshit in the world. And that, oh, my friend Sean is Jewish and she gave me some cool snacks the other day and it was fantastic, you know? You know, dry. it was yeah, a little dry. A little dry. Uh, the, the craziest is when I went to my high school reunion and they said, you know, there were there were a couple of, of Jewish people in my class out of like 477. I think there was like three of us and one kind of like she'd switch between like being Baptist and Jewish. I don't know. Like she just went back and forth and we said, oh, let's take a picture of us, of, of all the Jews in our class. And then suddenly like seven more people joined us. And I was like, what do you do? And they're like, I'm Jewish. Like there oh, were secret wow. Jews in my class. Wow. Like, secret. Pastor. So there really, there really is a cabal. Yeah. Okay. Now you've That's really, it. now yeah, you've made it worse. <laughs> be fair, Sean. I just want to say, uh, technically speaking, statistically, that kind of works out. Like since Jewish people make up like 2% of the world's population for you to have three in a class and then it becoming 10, you were actually statistically overselling it. Like there were more <laughs> Jewish people in that class than there should have been, especially in Oklahoma. I just want to throw that out there. So yeah. Uh, I know. Yeah, it was, so, it was pretty crazy. We all, yeah. and then we took a picture where we put napkins on our heads, like yarmulkes, and then we were just like waving at the camera. So, yeah, that was that was kind of surprising when that. So, happened. how does a Jewish girl from Oklahoma become close friends with uh, another comedian who's living a in a trailer girl park? From a trailer park. From a trailer <laughs> park, and then you guys form this uh, uh, podcast. Tell us a little bit about your guys's history. Well, Vicky and I, we met working in the belly room at the comedy store one night. It was before we were both passed as regulars by Mitzi Shore. And uh, a friend of ours had a show and she told us afterwards she would buy us dinner. All of us would go to dinner at like Mel's Diner. And I remember seeing Vicky for the first time that night on stage and I was like, oh my gosh, where did this, this comedy hurricane come from? Because she was just like one-liners and her point of view. And I'm this trailer park woman. And it was just so defined. And, and I hadn't seen a pro like that. And I was like, good God, she is amazing. And she blew me away. I was like, I, you know, because there weren't a lot of women working back then. There really weren't. And so I was just so happy. I was like, oh my God, she's so funny. And, and I, I was really glad that we were the only two that showed up for dinner. And she wouldn't share, she wouldn't split a dinner with me to save money. But that's another story. But, but um, I, 
we and she you know she's younger and she's tiny and she's tiny got this is why i hang around with vicky carpet i mean we're so opposite she will not getting into into a thrift store you could take her to a a, a, you'd have no i'd rather go to burning man you need a rail car to get her into a thrift store so i mean she but we are opposite in so many ways but we just always have been like in lighting like a light for each other and always being having each other's back in this business as you know it's 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 like a lot of uh, ups and downs, and you got to just keep keep your head to the to the you know you can't you can't stop. You have to keep going no matter what. And when I've been down, she's pushed me, and when she's down, I, I push her. And, and she gives my daughters all her old clothes. So we have <laughs> just so many. Tell us the tell us the story. Do you guys have a story of when Mitzi made you a regular? Because a lot of people don't know how it all works. So do you guys remember? becoming a regular and what that was like. Mitzi Shore, by the way, for people listening, is was was the founder or the owner of the comedy store. And she used to, she had to watch you and say you're a regular before you became a regular. What was your guys' stories with her? Well, I was fortunate because usually when you showcase in front of Mitzi, it's usually in the original room at the comedy store and you get a good three minutes and she's watching you. And then there's comedians that will surround her in the back of the room and cock block you from being seen. And they try and keep you from becoming a regular. And, and so what would that be? What would that mean? They would do what? While you're up they there would performing. They start talking to her while you're on yeah. stage. Yeah. So, but I was fortunate enough when I got referred and I knew at that time Mitzi was looking for women to put back into the belly room to kind of bring the spirit and the energy of the belly room back and I got to showcase in La Jolla and I got to do 10 minutes so I remember driving down there just being all nervous and I was told like you know I kind of knew how it worked if she likes you she'll pull you aside and she'll Mm kind of make you like, like the godfather. Yeah. And if she doesn't like you and she's not interested, not a word is said, keep walking, walk out that door because it's not going to happen. And I had a lot of friends and people come out that night to La Jolla that drove down from San, to, drove down to San Diego. And um, I got up there and I performed and I did like, you know, when I do my Barbara Streisand impression and, and when I got off stage, I could see her in the corner and then she called me over oh. and she grabbed my hand. She didn't even call me Sean. She goes, Barbara, <laughs> you're very funny. Call in Monday. Oh, and that wow. was that was it. And it, she always called me Barbara. Like I never got called. I'm not even quite sure if she knew I was Sean, but <laughs> but she always called me Barbara. I love and it. That you was know, like every- the happiest day. I know this comedian, Barbara. Who hates you, Sean? She was always like, I swear Mitzi's been, I thought, and Mitzi calls me Sean and was like, I'm not Sean. Oh my God, the story's full circle now. Well, Tehran, she's a homeless lady outside. Tehran, the truth is, and Vicky, I want to hear your story too, and I want you to put that mic towards you when you tell us your story beginning made. The truth is, Mitzi was such a character, and Sean just did the voice. Everybody knows, everyone's got a Mitzi impression. It's she was kind of like what Johnny Carson was, was to comedians back then on television, that he could make your career by having you on a show. Mitzi really would give you, and for those people listening here, like the, the biggest names went through the comedy store, you know, from David Letterman, Jay Leno, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, you know, Joan Rivers, you name it, they all had performed there, they'd done their time there. I mean, it was just, a, it's a magical place. And, you know, I get chills anytime I hear people's stories because that whole grabbing your arm and pulling you in 
in your mind, you're like, oh my God, this is it, I made it. And it's funny that she called you Barbara because she always, she had a lot of people that she give gave names to. Like Joe Diaz, Joey Diaz became, what was it? Uh, ba- uh, uh, he called her, he called her Fat Baby. <laughs> she, she called him Fat Baby, I think. What? And then, yeah, or, or was that John Caparula? Somebody, somebody got a name Fat Baby. Somebody was like, na- every, hey God, she had I'm names. Not fat Baby. Well, it was, she, listen, back then, again, this was before all the PC stuff. She would give people names. So you'd go to the, you go to the lineup and you'd be like, you know, who's Kooky Mama? And they'd be like, oh, that's whatever. <laughs> like she had all these names. So I'm Vicky. Kooky Mama. <laughs> uh, Vicky, what was your story on, uh, on, on, on being made over there? So it was a Sunday night and, and, uh, I would I would show up every Sunday night with baked goods for real because Fred would never let me on the manager at the time because he I thought I was terrible and he knew I'd taken Sandy's class and he hated anyone who took Mitzi's daughter's comedy class, and uh, he didn't know I'd been working for like three years really hard every single night in bars around San Diego, and uh, I had a pretty decent little set but he had no idea but still every Sunday I'd come just to hang out, and and bring baked goods to the door guys and so one Sunday I was standing there in my little outfit and. And uh, Mitzi walked in, I don't know who she was. And Freddie Soda was with her and they, she walked in and she sat inside and people were going, Mitzi's Mitzi here, Mitzi, you know. And I didn't still know anything. And soon the bartender goes, uh, uh, hey, uh, Mitzi wants to see you on stage. I'm like, okay. And all the other comics were like eating it that night because they all came down to showcase and they were nervous and the room was flat. But I wasn't nervous because I didn't know who she was or I didn't know what a showcase was or even what a paid regular was. So I go on stage and I have a really fun set and she gives me the finger like she did to Shanika and she goes, sit down. And she goes, um, you're very funny. You're a paid regular. Wow. And then she just waved me away, like go away. <laughs> and, and then I went out in the lobby and Bobby Lee was there because he started a few years before me in San Diego. He was in the lobby. I go, hey, Bobby, what's a paid regular? And he goes, oh man, you're so lucky. You get to go to Hollywood, and that's that's. I had no idea. Wow, wow, that's like that ing- ignorance is bliss. Like, like yeah. you had lowered, you had. See, that's the problem. A lot of comedians do. Like when there's a showcase night, yep. And you're like, oh my god, they're here from Just for Laughs. Oh my god, they're here yep. from uh, whatever the the Tonight Show, whatever it is. You get nervous, but when you yep. don't have that, you don't even know who Mitzi Shore was. You just right. hung out with some baked goods. I love yeah. it. Yeah, lucky. So then now you two made regulars, uh, funny, uh, charming, amazing. I love you guys both. What is this show you've come up with, the, the, the podcast? Tell us a little bit about uh, Trailer Park Diaries. Well, uh, during the pandemic, actually, Vicky and I, we knew we wanted to do a podcast together. And then we met with All Things Comedy. And we kind of combined the idea of, um, I know like Al Magical loved something about diaries and he wanted something with, you know, he didn't, he wanted something written kind of. And so we sat, we brainstormed and we thought, well, what would kind of represent the both of us? And Vicky has, you know, is known for her trailer, trailer park kind of type of persona. And I'm always kind of the opposite, you know, we're like the modern day ab fab. And so we decided that, we would kind of create, it, it's improvised and, and some things are real in it and some things are not. And so the idea is that I am this rich Beverly Hills woman. We which, had to move into the trailer park. Yeah. 
and I'm moving the trailer park because I'm going through a divorce, whatever. And I come into her trailer park and she finds this trunk full of diaries in the old manager's office because she's the manager. And so each, each season we take out a diary and we read a couple of pages each episode and we make specialty cocktails and we read a couple of pages and then we discuss it and we relate things from our own life in it. So it's improvised. It sounds like it sounds like a great sitcom even. Exactly. That's that's actually where we're going with it. As long so. as you can drink heavily on sitcoms, because so, we've been drinking heavily <laughs> while we've been recording and forgetting that we're recording. And now I'm thinking I'm going to have to leave the country because I think we said some really very, very. Go. Vicky, that's me some nights when I tweet at night after like I've had some nice wine and I'll yes. get in there and I. I go like I lose all my inhibitions. I start right. cussing out Ted Cruz or whoever yeah, it is. Yeah. And then I wake up the next morning. I'm like, what did I say? Yeah. And I look it at it. That's what we yeah. love about you, though, yeah. Boz. You are the only man that goes on stage with like a glass of Pinot Noir. Like I've always noticed like Maz. Cabernet, 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 not Pinot Cabernet. Noir. Cab. Sorry. Sorry. No Syrah. <laughs> um, but I've always noticed about you like, look at Boz. He's just up there with like a glass of red. It just looks so sophisticated. Meanwhile, I'm up there with a Jack Daniels. Like, like <laughs> you know, right. like my balls just dropped, but God bless. Well, well like, that's like, you- sometimes when Preeth and I are, are at a bar and she's, she, she likes, I mean, we'll both drink wine and stuff, but I'm not, like if I drink hard alcohol, it's usually tequila, but she'll order like, let's say whiskey or something or scotch. So there's been times where we'll go to the bar and we'll be like a scotch and a glass of Chardonnay. And the guy inevitably puts the Chardonnay in front of her, the yeah. scotch in front of me. I'm like, uh-uh, right. the other way around. I think in my case, if somebody made fun of my hair, Preetha might slap them. So I got my own Will Smith at the house. But I think I think that's going to be your joke. Like, nobody give me a hard time. I have alopecia. <laughs> like, yours Shit. isn't male pattern baldness. It's just alopecia. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, that's the thing too about comedians is like, obviously we've got a sense of humor about ourselves. Cause I was thinking about just to kind of bring it all full circle real quickly. I was thinking about like, what, what's Chris Rock going to do now? And we all know this, whether you have something good happen to you or something bad happen to you, you bring it on stage. So whether you win the Academy Award or you get slapped at the Academy Awards, you're gonna have to talk about it on stage. And I, I, I'm really interested to see yeah. what his take's going to be on all this. He's so brilliant. I cannot wait for that. Good point. I, I mean, I think it's going to have a lot of implications, but I did have a question in regards to Sean and Vicky. As women in comedy, and there's a lot of stigma, there's a lot of conversation, there's a lot of stereotypes. What has been your personal experience and how does it align with that of others? For me, you know, I'm, I'm also put the mic, put the mic towards you, put the mic towards you. I didn't Sorry. start till I was 40. So not only do I have the woman thing, I also have the ageism thing uh, and the wind against me. But honestly, the bottom line for me is I absolutely cannot dwell on the on the haters and the people that aren't going to book me because of who I am. I just have to not look, look at them. If I thought about that too much, it would just rip me apart. So I stop. If I go there in my head, like oh, this club is. I don't see why they, they said they were going to book me. Now they're not booking me. And, you know, and the bottom line is that that can't be in my head. I just have to go. I just have to look to the people that do see me, that see my work and believe in what I'm doing. 
and um and uh because there is you know a lot of prejudice the, the great thing though it is changing for sure there's way more women in the game there's and we we are getting a lot more respect than we did i'm so grateful for that you know we just keep pushing and i i think we deserve it and but yet i, I cannot get upset about it if that's that's the kiss of death sean yeah i agree with vicky really it's just about persevering and no matter i mean i think everybody faces adversity in 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 in, in stand-up comedy i i think we all go through it we all can compare ourselves to other people and we can all be in a room and i can stand there and go okay i'm the only female in this lineup but i don't i don't know how that's gonna how that's gonna help me i think it's just about just be good just be funny and be good and they'll remember you and always just keep keep moving forward if you you get you get stuck it's a vicious it's a vicious loop of like damn it you know this it's just all men here or they don't respect women and you know and if, if you're in a place where you're not feeling comfortable or if that's the case then you remove yourself from it and you you move on to the next thing that you are going to feel comfortable in and and just be good, be good enough that people can't ignore you, no matter what you look like, how old you are, or what sex you are. Right. You know, you guys just reminded me of something. There was a comedian, I think it was Doug Williams was his name. Um, I love I Doug Williams. Doug's a sweet guy. I had been trying to get, I think I was trying to get on Premium Blend or Just for Laughs or something happened, and they didn't pick me, and I was like talking to them in the, in the front of the comedy store at the bar area, and I was like, man, you know, these guys, you know, like Vicky was just saying, like, they were, they, we got close, and they promised it was gonna happen, didn't happen, and, and he goes, don't get bitter. He goes, when you get bitter, he goes, you're the only person that's affected. He goes, you think Just for Laughs knows that you're bitter? You think Comedy Central knows you're bitter? No, they're doing their own thing. He goes, the only person that gets affected is you so like you guys are both just saying put your head down keep doing the work and you know get and that's a guy by the way doug williams is one of the guys who has a reason to slap somebody let's not forget the jamie fox uh debacle which really really affected his musical career i mean his comedy career that that was a yeah big thing. for that's those the you, only if, reason i know if you guys don't know he was at a roast and he was doing the roast i think he was roasting jamie fox maybe even doug and then williams jamie, was roasting jamie fox no who was he roasting t uh, he was roasting. Hold on, I'll think of it because I was whatever it was. It was a roast, and Doug Williams was a newer comic, but he was doing his thing. And then Jamie Foxx decided to get into the microphone because he was at the he was on the dais. So he gets into the, he gets into the uh, into the microphone, and as Doug Williams is doing his jokes, Jamie Foxx is making fun of Doug Williams, like because like the, some of the jokes weren't hitting or something. So he's like Jamie Foxx going like, "Man, I'm really bombing now, aren't I?" Whatever it is. And so he's kind of roasting the roaster, and it wow. was really, yeah, really bad. Um, uh, listen, I don't want to keep you guys forever. I could, but I don't want to. So we're going to go to a segment called Back to School with Sean and Vicky. Quick questions, quick answers. We'll go Sean, we'll go Vicky next. Number one, were you popular in high school? Uh, I was popular, but no men wanted to have sex with me. <laughs> Vicky, how about you? Huge shock. No. <laughs> <laughs> What did you want to be in high school? A doctor. Vicky? A teacher. Nice. What would you tell your high school self if you could tell yourself one thing? Oh, God. This is... Uh, uh, God. I was hoping um, to say, you'll have sex one day. <laughs> I'll have sex one day. 
<laughs> Mine is a stop cutting your own hair. <laughs> <laughs> what other profession would you do if you could? Um, therapist. Nice. I'd be an eye surgeon. Ooh. <laughs> Very good hours, make a lot of money, nine to five. <laughs> do you recommend people get into your profession and why? No, I, 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 no, do not get into our profession because it's hard. Yeah, especially if I don't like them. <laughs> you guys are going to make a great team on uh, on this podcast. So uh, before we finish, Tehran, what'd you learn on this episode? I learned that I need to be a doorman at every single comedy club that Vicky is walking into. Thank you, baby. <laughs> nice. I learned that uh, I need to have water if I'm going to have matzah bread. Yeah. Because it's, so it's dry. Really dry. Um, I, I want learned not to rush the stage when Vicky's holding a box of wine. That right. too. Yeah, These are... Anyway. <laughs> um, so I want people to tune in to Trailer Park Diaries. They find that anywhere podcasts are found. Are you guys also doing a video of it or is it just audio? Right now for the first season, it's audio. But we do, you know, we premiere funny clips and stuff that gives you a little glimpse of who Vicky and I are. Beautiful. So find Trailer Park Diaries with Sean Polofsky and Vicky Barbalek. Find them online at Sean Polofsky, S-H-A-W-N-P-E-L-O-F-S-K-Y. Yeah, Sean can we add some Polofsky. more letters to that name? It's, I know, there's a lot. It just rolls off your tongue. You guys, congratulations on Back to School. It's, it's a great show, and we are just, this is the one we really wanted to get on, so thank you so much. This well, we love class. you guys. We love you, love and thank you for coming on. I want people to follow Vicky at Vicky Barbalek. She was on AGT. Sean's got all kinds of awesome shows she puts on all over LA. Also, uh, the social media. What's it called? Social no, media meltdowns. You meltdowns. Have You're I've great done it. it. I've loved I know. it. I want Tehran on it too. I always yeah. like hit him up. Yeah, let's do it. So, you guys, thank you for being on Back to School with Majabrani. Back to school. Thank you for listening to another episode of Back to School with Maz Jobrani. We hope you're enjoying it. We hope you're having fun. And we hope you're learning something. So make sure to let your friends know. Share it on iTunes. Share the clips from YouTube. Just get it out there. However you're listening, let your friends know to tune in to Back to School with Maz Jobrani. Back to school.